Hello, and welcome to the Layer of Secrets podcast, the podcast about gaming and being a geek by two 40-something geek dads. I'm David Moore, and I am just now feeling caught up, just in time for Daylight Savings to Time to take that all away. And, uh, and I'm Ken Newquist. I'm finally on the other side of a long, dark winter. The sun is rising early. The days are getting longer. And uh, yeah, it's just in time for Daylight Saving to take that away, too. So how have you been? Uh, ups and downs. Ups and downs, uh, which I'll, I'll talk about in a moment. Uh, <laughs> mostly ups. Uh, a few very recent downs, but mostly ups. First thing, though, is uh, I've been playing a lot of Valheim. Which so I have seen, yes, vicariously. I've been playing it vicariously <laughs> through you, in which I watch everybody talk about how their characters have died. And uh, will somebody please team up with me to go recover my body? Yes, uh, murder skeetos are or uh, death skeetos <laughs> are the current current bane of several of our existence on that server. I set up a server. Normally, if we do like a server, like a Minecraft server or whatever with our group of friends, you know, it'll be like a couple of weeks where four or five of us are on. And then after that, it it dwindles down to like one or two, you know, I, me being one of the ones that dwindles away. Uh, but <laughs> Uh, fairly regularly there's like five or six of us on out of a 10, 10 person server we don't have 10 people on the server so I don't think we'll hit that cap but I think we'd get the 8 or 9 if I really thought about it and counted so but for those who aren't playing vicariously uh, what is Valheim? <laughs> yeah yeah uh, so Valheim is a kind of a crafting slash survival game in the vein of like arc survival evolved it has that sort of feel but it's very different in that it's less of the survivalish stuff like you don't need to worry about how much water you've drunk uh, <laughs> but you are a uh, a viking who's who has passed away and hugin one of odin's uh one of odin's Ravens has brought you to Valheim, which is one of the uh, worlds of the afterlife. And the goal there is theoretically to defeat these uh, these elder creatures, these bosses, and then earn your way into Valhalla uh, at the end of it. Currently, I've I've been able to defeat three bosses. I've slowed down. I, I'm not looking for the fourth boss yet. Because as it turns out, each boss you defeat, even in like the the meadows, which is like the starting area, more higher level monsters, mobs and stuff will start attacking your settlements in those in those uh, starting areas, the more bosses you defeat. So like I defeated uh, Bone Mass recently, which is this big blobby monster that poisons you and now these things called certlings which are like fire elementals will now come and harass you at <laughs> uh at your settlements um where before it was like maybe skeletons or trolls yeah it's it's uh something that that i've had to slow down a little bit on but that's fine because i like also helping people out and the building in it is a lot of fun as well it's uh you know, you have to go out and get all the materials and things for it, but you could spend hours just building like in Minecraft as well. 
it's a it's a lot of fun. I think it's still only twenty bucks. Uh, last I knew, shortly after they released it, it's because it's still in early access. Even uh, it's one of the few games that I've. I don't normally get early access games because they're 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 broken or they never get finished or uh, you know a variety of reasons, um, and so. For some reason, I broke my moratorium on not getting another early access game um, and bought this one. And now that it's sold over 5 million copies, which is huge even for a AAA title, uh, that five-person team is uh, very happy (laughs) and probably very stressed. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, no kidding. Jeez. Yeah. Impressive. Um, More on the tabletop gaming front. Uh, I discovered two new tools, new to me at least. Uh, they're, they are still fairly new. Uh, one is called Owlbear.rodeo, and that is a virtual tabletop. It's a free free virtual tabletop, but it, one of its goals is to be very easy to use. So similar to like Roll20, it will do things like Fog of War and, and things like that, but there's no server. It's all client driven. So like I'll log in and create a game and it will give me a link to give to my players. And when my players start playing in it, it will it directly connects to those other browsers, uh, if I understand the technology right, and send my map and other token information to their browsers. And uh, and it's also a real time connection. So it, as I move a token, there's moves as well. And then in addition to that, the uh, in addition to that, you know, they can move their tokens and I'll see it, etc. So they're they're adding more uh, more things to it, but are still very um, still adhering very closely to their design goal of make it really easy to pick up and just play. And I've, I've run the, my Sunday Gamma world game has, has happened again. Uh, Cause part of the, part of the D and D group could not attend. And so we played the Sunday one and we actually went all the way through the Albuquerque starport module uh, for Gamma World and had a lot of fun with it and and I used Albert Rodeo for we were using Roll20 and I was like let's try this and switched over and we all just loved it it was a lot of fun in fact our normal GM is gonna switch over to using that instead of Illustrator which is what he was doing before <laughs> he was using Illustrator <laughs> and moving the things around in Illustrator and just sharing his screen Related to that is uh, DungeonScrawl.com, which is basically uh, a site that allows you to uh, make a map quick and easy um, and have it look good, too. Um, It'll do cross-hatching or or different styles as well. You can pick it. Uh, But basically, you can draw rooms, polygons, etc., and it can also hook up with like uh, some of the donjon map generators, uh, and you can import those maps, and it just lays it out, and then you can edit what what it lays out. Haven't used it yet. Uh, I've played around with it a little bit, but uh, since I was already running Albuquerque Starport, I didn't need to create a map. I was just using the 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 photos that I took of the module that I have. But next time, I'm gonna. 
uh, I'll definitely be taking a look at that because uh, I have my Friday game, which is also going fairly well. So our 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 new intrepid explorers, they uh, so my Friday game is the D and D game that just started. A couple of people have played in the same setting before, but it's been quite a number of years. And thanks to the magic of COVID, we're now playing online with them again. Um, and so uh, it's a lot of fun to, to play with those guys. And there's a couple new people that they know. And so uh, I told them, hey, go ahead and make your first level characters. Um, you know, uh, any of the any of the books is fine. I only own the player's handbook, but I trust you guys. Go ahead and make whatever you want. Uh, by the way, don't buy any equipment. And they're like, oh, OK. <laughs> and so the game starts and they find out that they're already slaves <laughs> being taken through the burning city of Tesrota, uh, so named the burning city because it's been on fire for the last 20 years after, uh, one of the previous campaigns, Arista, the destroyer, who was a player character, uh, opened portals to the elemental plane of fire. And even though most of those portals are gone, yep. Most of those portals are gone. For some reason, the city still burns like, the the stone is burning the the there is wood still there but for some reason it's also burning there's some magical weirdness going on in that city and uh sometimes people go there adventure seeking because well it's a whole city that was effectively evacuated and or destroyed overnight and uh so obviously there's treasures that are going to be there and so you know, that group went there and Tesrota. Well, Tesrota is not a nice country. Uh, there's the country of Tesrota. And then there was the former capital city of Tesrota. And uh, and so they uh, they think slavery is cool. And so slavers actually caught them just inside or outside of the city and uh, took all their stuff. Uh, not all their stuff was in the wagon that when they finally broke out. So they're they're using borrowed or or not not really borrowed because the slavers are dead, uh, <laughs> but used leather armor and rusty swords and other stuff like that that they've picked up as they try to escape this uh, burning city that has other uh, fire-based creatures roaming around in it. And oh, they don't have a whole lot of food and water. Yeah, so that's that's the setup so far. We've played a. Uh, three games now and nice. uh it's it's been pretty cool um they did have a a bit of a savior who was like uh like a researcher she'd set up shop with the kind of like a like a magical tower that's in a its own pocket dimension sort of thing and one of them insulted her and she's like well fine and then snaps and ejects <laughs> them all out of the tower uh, and then uh, and back into the city. So, yeah, one of the characters, he's, uh, you know, he's he's not really good with people. So player is, but <laughs> but the character is not. So, yeah, so that was that was that one. I've also been working on the Gamma World-esque game, uh, tentatively called Dyson Fall, uh, because of the there's a. Dyson Swarm, as it's called, which is a series of a bunch of smaller. I may have talked about this 
uh, in the past, but uh, a bunch of smaller constructs, but still on a stellar scale rather than a whole sphere. Um, but the people of Earth, um, the humans who remained behind, the uplifted animals and the sentient robots that are all le- that were left behind by humanity as it left Earth completely, things will fall from the heavens, uh, from space, and they call it Dyson's Fall because they they believe that it's part of you know all the construction stuff that went on up there, um, which is also a way to kickstart and give adventure hooks if something falls from the sky hey what what was that maybe it's something good but i'm using mythic d6 for the base rules for it um and i've worked up several powers already i'm i'm waffling on whether or not to do random powers uh but Mythic D6 being point by, we could still do random powers, kind of like the old Marvel superheroes. Um, and then because it's point by, they can the players could say, oh, yeah, I, I, I don't really care about this one. I'm only going to put the base one or two points into it. Or I really want this power to be powerful. I'm going to put four or five points into it and, and increase the strength of that particular mutation uh, or that change. So... That'll be interesting. Uh, my Sunday group actually was like, yeah, we want to play test that for you. And I was like, what? <laughs> really? I mean, really? It's been a long time since I've had a group that has been interested in play testing. So let's see. Uh, I mean, I've got my list here. I don't know why I'm hes- hesitating at all. Uh, so last thing about gaming is uh, I got kind of got hooked on Critical Role after, you know, it's been going for almost six years now. uh, And two episodes there kind of got me hooked. And I have been watching them since then. So uh, they're in their uh, second campaign. And it was just the way that they all played and... um, you know, the way Matt Mercer runs is really good. This, it, he's always really good as a GM, but also kind of giving life to the NPCs. But then all the interactions and the depth of characters that uh, the Critical Role people have reminds me of one of the college games that I was in. Well, several of the college games that I was in, you know, one of which I met Aaron in. So, you know, it's just that sort of depth of... Uh, uh, like they're fully fleshed out characters. It's not just stats sort of thing. And gotcha. there's backstories and there's interactions between different characters, etc. So yeah, it's, it's been on my list of things to watch for a very long time, but uh, somehow I've never quite gotten around to it. So. Yeah. Yeah. In another I, 10 episodes. I'll say, Hey David, I finally <laughs> watched it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I tried to watch earlier and and, you know, not every game session is like a super winner or is watchable by people outside of the game. You know, when you're in the game, you're like, total, you know, you can be, uh, you know, totally engrossed in it, but it might be boring as mud outside, uh, you know, from outside looking in. And so, you know, while they try to make it entertaining because that's part of what they're set up to do it's it's still a tabletop game so i just didn't get hooked when i first looked at it which is about a year or so ago and but now it's like okay 
uh, the last episode just dropped, you know, yesterday. Do I want to do I want to watch the next episode on Twitch live and stay up <laughs> until like one in the morning? Or do I want to wait until next Tuesday when they drop the new one? Uh, <laughs> you know, when they drop the edited version on YouTube. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm kind of hooked. Couple of things as well. I've been doing. Uh, I've been reading the Artist Way. Um, Mer Lafferty has talked about it off and on for years, and I was listening to a podcast. I was listening to uh, I Should Be Writing Again, and she was talking about it. And so I, I finally decided to pick it up, and uh, I really like it. It's it's a way to kind of foster and nourish your inner child artist and a way and and shows you different ways of why you may be like if you're writing you know or if you're drawing or whatever uh why you may be blocked or why you may be down on yourself of i can't do this so it's part self-help book but it's also part of like your definite concrete techniques to keep you moving. And one of the things is uh, morning pages where you write three pages of anything, you know, as long as you write, you've done morning pages. And a lot of times what comes out is all those negative thoughts or feelings or worries or other day-to-day stuff that clutters up your head. And just sometimes just, at least for me, getting them out on paper frees up that headspace for other more creative and cooler stuff. Right. So, uh, like, I haven't done anything else from that. If that's the only thing that I take out of this book, it's well worth my purchase of the book. And it's been out there for a long time. So if you don't want to purchase, I got it on Kindle, but if you don't want to purchase it, I'm sure the library will have a copy. I have some good and bad news. Resident Alien by Alan Tudyk is really funny uh, and enjoyable to watch. But after episode like five, I think it requires you to have a sci-fi subscription to watch it on their website. So I watched five and then part of six before their security piece, uh, you know, got updated or caught up. And so like I refreshed the browser cause something had gone on. And, and so I only watched half of episode six, um, resident aliens really good. Uh, if you've seen Alan Tudyk before, it is he he plays an alien in the guise of a human, and so there's there's that stereotypical or or shtick of uh, kind of a fish out of water. How does an alien act like a human when they don't watch uh, when they don't haven't interacted with them before? Um, and so he plays this recluse sort of doctor who had come out and has a house by the lake and their main doctor in town dies. And so they're like, Hey, we need you to come out and do this autopsy and, or take a look at this guy. And so then he basically through events becomes the town doctor kind of like a, I think Northern exposure kind of sort of thing. Right. Um, He's kind of like that, but also very not like people think he's got some sort of like uh, on the spectrum of autism or something like that, because he is just not a stereotypical, not stereotypical, but not a normative sort of human interaction. But his learning of how to become human is hilarious. Uh, In the first episode, (laughs) he watches probably uh, hundreds of episodes of Law and Order 
And so he's very into this hound doctor's death because he wants to to solve this murder. And, you know, he's like, yes, it's like law and order. Gung, gung. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he'll he'll pull that out every so often when you don't expect it. And it's just hilarious. So that wow. was yeah, That's Resident cool. Alien on sci fi. I, I recommend it. I may buy it buy the season on Amazon or something couple more things um, on the personal front. Uh, my daughter is a student driver, and she got into her first car accident, which was not oh, fun. Man. Yeah. No, it never is. Yeah. Um, but let me set this up. I woke up the, that morning, uh, which was when the time changed. So it's earlier than expected. And I pick up my phone, and it won't turn on. I had left it on the night before, but it won't turn on. I was like, I was almost charged. I plug it in, wait an hour, still doesn't turn on. Phone is dead. I have not been able to resurrect it. I, I have uh, a couple ideas of what might have happened, but I, I am not sure because basically I was asleep and I woke up and it was dead. And so with that as the backdrop, my, my wife and daughter went to go drive to the nearby university where she's going to be going. And uh, my other daughter comes down about half an hour later and says, dad, uh, you know, is leans on the phone. They got into an accident. So, so yay. <laughs> so here I am on my other daughter's phone, uh, trying to piece together what happened. One of the first things we found out is no one was injured, which is great. There was very little damage. It was also great. Uh, and then I found out she sideswiped a semi, which is totally not great. <laughs> <laughs> totally not great. Totally not great. Uh, wow. Given the outcome, we were very, very, very lucky. She uh, she hit some wood that was underneath the, the trailer, but she did the... I mean, I, I, the people that I've talked to about half of them go, yes, I got into an accident like that when I was around 16 years old of not fully looking before changing lanes. And so that's what happened is she was, she was merging from one highway onto another highway and didn't fully check, check her left side and bunk right into the side of the semi. Wow. Yeah. So driver of that semi, don't know who he is, but thank you for being so, so kind and nice to, to them. He was checking on his lean cause she was just, whoa, way out there. She really shaken up. So he was checking on her mental welfare. Uh, and that was, that was really good of him. And even, and then the state trooper came eventually and, you know, he was also, very very good and no tickets given everything you know it's like everything like i said best possible outcome of an accident with a semi that's right yes so so all of that you know phone accident dealing with aftermath of all that stuff i was like i'm taking monday off <laughs> like i try i got up on monday fully intending to work and then i'm like <laughs> No, I am just not mentally capable of giving what I need to do in order to, you know, uh, I'm not I'm not capable of performing at the level that I think I should be. Uh, and so I took Monday off. And now today's Tuesday. Much, much better. Um, everybody's 
recovered except for the car. So, <laughs> wow. Um, I'm yeah. glad to hear it. Thanks. Thanks. I, I'm, I'm supposing you mean that everything, everybody's okay. Not that I had, not that. Yes, I'm accident. glad to hear that everything is okay. Everything like worked out. And yes, yes. Got it. Wow. Yep. Yeah, it's a uh, dang. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, maybe we need to record more often so that these things don't happen because it's been two or three weeks since we actually recorded. <laughs> there you go. Um, you know, that, that super, superstition thing. Um, yeah, I don't believe that. But anyway, um, last thing is uh, also road related. Uh, comes from comes from the Lair of Secrets library. Uh, one of them. Uh, it's uh, Roger Roger Zelazny's Road Marks book. Uh, it was written in the early seventies and shows it. I enjoyed it. I like Roger Zelazny, um, especially his Amber stuff. Uh, but the dialogue and the characterizations in there uh, were very 70s, 60s, 70s science fiction. Everybody was a little too perfect and a little too honorable. There's no no real huge character flaws or, or even minor character flaws in a lot of ways. Uh, it was still fun to read. I liked the concept of it. Uh, it's written from multiple viewpoints about uh, a journey along what they call the road. And uh, But the road is effectively how humans experience time and the people who are able to travel the road forward and backward are, you know, they kind of have special access to this road and uh, certain off ramps are very well traveled and marked and et cetera. Um, and then, but, uh, and go to different alternate timelines or different points in time. But Certain other places are, you know, choked with weeds and gravel roads and, you know, through a stream, et cetera, as those turnoffs are more of a, uh, you know, it's kind of like the branching timeline of things, you know, multiple, multiple reality sort of ideas. And so if this other branching reality is not as well-traveled or popular or however, however that is all decided, you know, that branch dies off basically and, and might be hard to get back to. It never completely goes away according to what it said, but it's, it's also, you know, no longer marked super small, hard to get through, etc. Yeah. I, I gave it like a three stars on Goodreads sort of thing when I was doing it, okay. um, is where, where I'd put it. I might read it again in years, but I'm, might also forget most of it <laughs> in, in a year or two. It was a decent book. It was unfortunately not as special as like Amber was for me. Yes. Yeah, so speaking of Amber, I uh, yeah. actually just picked up the Trumps of Doom, the audiobook. book. Uh, the second half of the Amber series is not my favorite. This is uh, book one of the second five books in the Chronicles of Amber. Okay. Um, but Will Wheaton is narrate narrates oh, this whole series. I really like him as a narrator. Yeah. So I'm like, well, you know, it's been, I don't know, a decade, maybe more, maybe, I don't know, maybe 20 years. Like, I, I think they were for, I think they were just finishing up coming out when I was in college, if I remember correctly. My roommate in college turned me on to the whole Amber series at the time. Yeah. And the the second five books just never really quite grabbed me the same way that the first books did. But I mean, Will Wheaton's going to re read it. There are some books that 
they may have are, grown on me as I've gotten older, you know? Yeah, and there are some books that are easier and better to listen to, I've found, than to actually read and print. And, you know, it really, it, it depends on the book. So maybe you'll, you'll have a better, better uh, yeah. luck with that one. I'm pretty sure I have not read the full Amber series yet. So I, uh, that might be something I, I pick up and and do again yeah it gets i think uh i think the second series gets a little weirder and trippier and um and not always in good ways and sometimes it's just weird ways but you know it's <laughs> it's still zelazny and i love zelazny so right uh right you know i think it, the time has come to to read it again got it yeah so i think that might that might be on my summer reading list we'll see how it goes yeah i mean i could probably go keep going on with other more and more minor stuff uh since we haven't (laughs) talked in a few weeks but i'd rather hear what you've been doing (laughs) so my gaming life's been going pretty well i finished up my first arc of our savage ring world campaign um this is we've been rotating between different dms it's myself and another dm and there might be yet a third who who tags in um, and so it's been this exercise in collaborative world building. And so for my arc, basically, I had the characters meet this uh, sentient librarian. I guess all libra- I think all librarians are actually sentient. They're uh, pretty sentient on librarians. They're pretty sentient. Uh, this alien species known as librarians. It's Got it. Taken Got it. from last Parsec books, uh, Scientarium. Um, and so I was liberally just borrowing that stuff for this campaign. And so they meet this basically librarian alien preacher who had been cut off from his collective intelligence basically um because of this massive fist of god event where see i think we've talked about this some before but basically you have the massive ring world something strikes the ring world causes a massive mountain which comes to be known as fist of god and the characters are like whoa the ring world is in bad shape we need to figure out ways to stabilize the ring world so as part of this they learn of uh his name was Walking Flowers. It's this librarian who was like, hey, I've been cut off from my people 150 years ago. I just woke up because on your last adventure, you reconnected this one network within the ring world. And suddenly I'm able to communicate with the library. But, oh, wait, they, they're they like issuing these recall orders and they seem pretty mean. And <laughs> like, it just dribbled out. I didn't actually come out and say any of these things because what's the fun in that? So right. Right. Um, they go, they find like this citadel of of lost truth, I think. And like basically the librarians that had their their uh, programming flipped so that they had to hoard and protect all of the knowledge because knowledge was just going to lead to destruction in the ring world. And so wherever they saw anything above like subsist- subsistence living, they would come in, take the people who knew things and brainwash them to serve the librarians. All in the goal of just continually hoarding knowledge. And so, so they had to go and in a... Sorry, go ahead. I I was just going to say, so in my head, um, and it's probably because I was, you know, running Gamma World and playing D&D at the time, uh, but in my head, the Ring World stuff is, uh, uh, I thought was like more along the lines of like a D&D sort of tech level. Like they didn't really know a whole lot of tech was the idea that I, that, that I got. Um, they didn't even know they were necessarily living on a ring world. Yeah, um, I think that was, we've been evolving it over time. So I think okay. we started kind of off there. I think maybe when we first started talking, that was maybe our initial idea. It's quickly accelerated to now it's actually 20th level technology, 20th century, 20th level. <laughs> yes, everyone's a 20th level adventurer. <clears throat> gods in the ring world. Uh, 20th century level technology. So like there's planes, 
like maybe like 1950s era, 1960s era. Got right? it. Like they haven't quite Got discovered it. spacecraft. Um, they have some of the knowledge, and then there is some D and D aspects to it, where some of the characters, depending on the civilization they came from, they're treating technology as magic, or they're treating technology as faith. Savage so World sounds like character. a yeah. Savage World sounds like a perfect system for that. Yeah, it's it's been it. working pretty well, and so the, the the amazing thing is that I've been we started off at a higher level, which it's hard actually in a system that you don't play as much as D and D. Like if if we rolled up and we wanted to run like oh we're gonna do tenth level characters, okay, there might be a little bit of a a ramp up for me, but I've been playing D and D fifth edition and D and D in general for so long, I know what I would throw at tenth level characters. I know it's relatively balanced. Mm-hmm. Uh, Savage Worlds doesn't care about balance. <laughs> Savage Worlds, if you get in over your head. Well, you probably should run away, right? And so as the DM, you still need to figure out, like, well, what is appropriately challenging for these characters? And because they're starting effectively mid-level, they have more capabilities than I was really knew what to do with just yet. So it's like, so, how many bad guys do I throw at them? <laughs> right. So it's, it's, a, it's probably a case of, like, oh, I threw what I thought would be a challenge, and they wiped the floor with them. And then you go, okay, well, let me up the difficulty, and then you nearly kill them all. And then you have to sort find of, that happy yeah. that happy medium. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's definitely that sweet spot. And so, you know, they use a it's a PowerPoint based magic system or science magic system, technology system. Uh, and so figuring out like they also are figuring out their own characters, right? So one character has this thing, I think it's the, the forge staff, which is his techno organic manifestation of his powers. And he's got like twenty five PowerPoints, which is ridiculous. Like he has right. so much that he can bring to bear. And so the funny thing was, like, they kind of set into motion a series of events that caused them to use all of their resources in the first adventure and never have enough time in subsequent adventures to recover. Mm. <laughs> so they were only ever recovering, like, five PowerPoints at a time, uh, which was interesting. And then so they, they, you know, I was figuring out how to ramp things up to make it a little more challenging for them. And then we have these – they – they uh they, they were very conflict-oriented, I should say. Like, just there were all of these fights. Almost all of my sessions had, like, role-playing options. And they would do a little bit of role-playing, but then they would just throw down because I think everybody was also just excited to play their characters. Right. Savage Worlds is the kind of game where dice explode, and it's, it's fun to to use your character to his full ability. Right. And so we get to the final encounter and I have no idea what they're going to do. They're like in this old Citadel that used to be the library up against the corrupt librarians. I'm expecting, I don't know, nuclear strike. (laughs) 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 And it turns out like they, it was all conversation. Nice. We just basically did it as kind of like a social skill challenge. They had to convince the librarians that their their programming was corrupt. They used walking flowers to help bolster their case. They made a series of roles based on skills that they had, and not not no shots were fired. I'm like, that's okay, cool. cool. That, that's really <laughs> cool. <laughs> also, you know, not expect probably not expected considering your 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 previous encounters up until then. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, compared to the the first few encounters, it was just like, uh, okay, well, cool, I'm I'm, I'm good with this because yep. as a DM, like we can always overplan. Sure. And with my group, I really try not doing that because uh, I know what will happen. Right. Um, but still, new system, you're trying to like cover your bases. So, I think by the last session, I'm like, look, I've written down some notes. I have some ideas of what's going to happen if you guys get into throwdown. Like, there's enough to run like stat blocks to run an encounter, but like. I cannot war game every single solution. Right. Right. <laughs> you guys might come up with. So 
that's kind of what I'm I'm thinking about in terms of like the Dyson Fall campaign because it's like how much like old school gam world is it going to be which is kick down the door kill everything and take their stuff versus more modern gaming where there's a lot more role playing and other things like that um, you know with a more modern system so yeah if, if, it'll be interesting it sounds like you had kind of that whole gamut yeah and I think it, it kind of ended in like your classic 1960s Star Trek mode right like yeah sure Kirk has been punching out people left and right and a couple of people got right. phased but everybody's happy and what at have the you. End. but at the end you know the bridge crew was able to convince the corrupted uh, artificial intelligence to do the right thing through superior reasoning, right? Right. Like that's that's right. very much that 1960s era Star Trek sci-fi. So, or uh, or roadmarks. <laughs> yes. The book. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Right. It's like, very very it's... similar sort of. Yeah. That I can see that. Yeah. It's like everything. Everything's all hunky dory at the end, and logic and intelligence wins out. Right. So. And I was totally not expecting that to happen. So, uh, <laughs> meanwhile, in my uh, my lunchtime game, my Scales of Truth hex crawl, uh, something astounding has happened. They have reached the edge of the map. <laughs> so I have this map. It's a nice, uh, you know, eight and a half by eleven piece of graph paper. I yep. converted it into Worldographer, and they have now uh, are heading towards the edge of the map. For the last year, they've been talking about going to the caverns of Kazil, where the fabled black lotus flower grows. They got kind of sidetracked along the way, and it's a lunchtime game, so we only play like you know for one hour once a week. Right. So. Progression is a little bit slower, but still, a year ago they set out on this quest, and now they're finally getting to the point where they're going to go to the caverns of Kazil, and the caverns of Kazil is right at the edge of the map. So I'm going to have to draw more map. Or you make it like a Wandavision, and you put a giant, <laughs> yeah, there you go. giant wall there. Like, <laughs> what the heck is this? And that's a whole, whole set of adventures right there. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see. We'll see what lies at the edge of the map. I suspect it will be more jungle. But uh, <laughs> yep. but I don't know how big the jungle is. Like, you know, this is the cool thing about the hex crawl and the nature of the thing that we're running is I don't know the answers to these things until we kind of get there. So yep. it's uh, yep. it's fun. Yep. So I'm currently reading uh, The States of Salvation by Peter F. Hamilton, big space opera guy. He wrote, um, was it Pandora's? Pandora Star, which is actually what got me hooked on Peter Hamilton way back in the day, uh, which was actually about these two stars. Pandora's star is about these two stars that were trapped inside of something that was like a Dyson sphere um, or some like massive energy shield, and then it drops. <laughs> and when that energy shield drops and suddenly these two new stars appear, you're like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so The Saints of Salvation, um, it's the last book in the series, and it is... It just came out, I think, in the last year, so I want to try to avoid spoilers. But basically, it's uh, it's about humanity's first contact with an alien species, and let's just say not everything goes all that well. And it's got this massive time span where it starts off eh, probably like 200 years into our future and then goes way, 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 way out into the future. So it does interesting things with gender. It does interesting things with technology. I think he's just having a lot of fun in this particular sandbox. And it's funny, I, I started reading this series near the beginning of the pandemic, <laughs> if I remember correctly. And it was a li- hitting a little bit too close to home because it was kind of a little bit end of the worldy in the first book. Oh, and okay. now I'm reading the last book and it's 
Well, we're kind of, there's hope at the end of the tunnel, right? So, well, I hope it's hope at the end of the tunnel. But in any right, case, right. it's uh, it's sticking up nice with the real world pandemic storyline. So how many, how many books are in the series? Three. Okay. All right. So it's not like Dresden Files where he's on book 15. So. <laughs> no, no. And they're not, I mean... I honestly couldn't. I'm, I'm listening to them, so I don't even actually know how many pages they are, but they're fairly hefty. I think it's like. Gotcha. They're not like a Patrick Rothfuss name of the wind sort of thing, but. No. So less. less. And he's finishing it, which is it also makes it different from. Uh, right, right. <laughs> he's actually the got the third book out. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, I've uh, been trying to get back to exercise as we alluded to in the in the intro or i alluded to in the intro it's been a long cold dark winter like the snow just melted like the three feet of snow that we had earlier uh we had a really nice day last week where it got up to the 70s uh two days in the 60s it is now like 30 (laughs) so it got cold again but at least all of the snow melted so that got a jump started me into getting back to the exercise routine. I mean, my son and I are still planning on going on this 12 day backpacking trip in July. So we still need to train for that. So we went out, bought a bike rack for the Jeep. Nice. Which I wanted to buy this time last year because I'm like, she get a bike rack for the Jeep. The problem is in March of 2020, everybody else got the exact same idea. They wanted <laughs> a bike the exact rack same for the time. Jeep. Right. And everybody was sold out. Got it. So good news, everyone. The supply chain's doing better. I was able to get a bike rack for the Jeep. Hopefully not at like and 500% I was able to install it. <laughs> no, it was actually just the normal cost. <laughs> which is good. Which is good. <laughs> Definitely. Installed it myself. Uh, not that I'm not like somewhat handy but you know still it's always it's good when you take things apart and put them back together again and you have right. the right number of screws left over and the bikes didn't fall off of it when i put the bikes on it so these also are good wins as far as i'm concerned all good um and for the first time since i think 2017 we have re-upped our y membership our ymca has reopened um on a limited basis, you have to like schedule appointments to be able to go. But the most important thing is their pool is open. And so gotcha. uh, as part of our training routine, my son wants to swim. So we're hoping to be able to book some time and go swim in like two, three times a week, which swimming is a cool. great exercise. It is the most exhausting exercise I know of. It is. Yep. Like, I, I it's, really enjoy the pool that's, that's near us. Um, I'm not what you would call a swimmer. I swim, but I am not a swimmer. But uh, but when I go and try and exercise, it is definitely the good, exhausting, whole body workout exercise. Yes, exactly so. So I'm looking forward to getting back to that. And then the the last thing I have on a going back to a geeky note is I binge the heck out of For All Mankind on Apple Plus. So okay. this is an alternative history of, now that I'm thinking about it, may have talked about this in the last episode. If I did, I apologize. But alternative history of the United States, where the Soviets get to the moon first, that inspires us to stick, keep up with the space program. So instead of giving up, kind of once we'd gotten there through Apollo 17, we just keep going. We're building space stations. We're building like orders that can go, like just advanced spacecraft, nuclear power that can go to Mars. Like it's it's some pretty cool stuff. So that's pretty uh, cool. I got through all of season one, and now I'm patiently, impatiently waiting for this episodes to drop for season two. As I may have said before, it's good stuff. If you have yep. the opportunity to watch it, I would recommend. Cool. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you talked about it last time. Uh, we talked about Wandavision last time. Ah, um, uh, yes. So, 
but but that was episode 14, which I understand we lost in time. So I don't know when it's going to show up. <laughs> Indeed. Um, given that it has been several weeks, uh, dear listeners, uh, we do not have a main topic since we had a lot just to catch up and talk about. So uh, hopefully you'll be all right with that. Um, but appreciate you listening. Uh, if you have feedback, we definitely love feedback and you can send it to us at podcast at layer of secrets.com or via Twitter at layer of secrets. And you can also visit layer of secrets.com and leave other feedback, topic ideas, or your own thoughts on whatever we talked about. Thank you everyone. And I hope you have a good evening or morning or decade or, you know, stretch of evening time. Sure. Still a little Douglas Adams there. (laughs) We'll talk to you all soon.